This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. So, every patient that presents in an emergency department is triaged in a category of one to five. The community get very frustrated. Some people will have to wait. What we do to manage customer expectations is improve the communication. That's the voice of Kylie Ward. She's the Chief Executive Officer of the Australian College of Nursing. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. And I'm Michael Momsen. Super excited. I'm really excited as well. Kylie Ward, she's a very experienced nursing professional, having spent years in the industry. And uh, she's also an adjunct professor of more than one university. And uh, having one of those is quite a feat. So, she's got some great expertise. Today, we're going behind the scenes of the nursing world and uncovering what the role of a nurse actually is. We'll talk about the ways that nurses go above and beyond in order to make their patients' experiences absolutely incredible. And Kylie tells us what a 10 out of 10 healthcare experience looks like. There are plenty of takeaways from the nursing industry that we can apply to business generally, so buckle in. And as usual, we started off asking Kylie to tell us about the best customer experience she's recently had. A few years ago when I was overseas and needed to get home urgently, and had my children with me and I rang the airline and without hesitation, they changed our flights, got us back, we were safe, no costs incurred, you wouldn't pay anything in those situations. So for me, that meant an extraordinary amount and I've always remained loyal to Qantas as a result. Mm. Was there anything specific that they did that, uh, that kind of made that experience? They didn't overcomplicate it by putting me through to lots of different people. The first point of contact that I had uh, stayed with me. The woman on the phone, she looked after everything and just said, get to the airport. It'll all be taken care of. And I have never forgotten that. That's great. That's amazing. Yes. I had my sons with me. We got home safely. And uh, that sense of getting back to Australian soil, being home, being looked after. Yeah has always resonated with me in what matters to people, particularly when they're a little bit distressed or concerned or vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. In many ways, it's quite similar to the industry that you're in, in healthcare and, and the role of nursing in terms of the patients are also equally um, at various you know states of either distress or un- unsure of what's happening, etc. I'd love to get your thoughts on you know, a fantastic patient experience. If you were to sort of say a 10 out of 10 patient experience, what would that look like? One of the privileges of being a nurse, apart from all of the science and all of the qualifications that we have, is we're very aware that it's a privilege to be looking after people when they're vulnerable. In terms of customer experience, it's being extra sensitive to knowing that people are vulnerable, they're not sure of outcomes, they've perhaps been delivered bad news, could be trauma, could be chronic disease. And from a nursing perspective, It is around tailored care. It's not a one-size-fits-all model. So what matters to one person might be different to another. And for the nursing profession, it's very important that we have the time to spend with patients to alleviate anxiety, to educate, to promote health and wellness, and to explain and to work around what they need in their time and to give them access to their family, their loved ones and information. I love that. That's actually a really nice uh, lead into what we're going to talk about today. 
What we wanted to talk about first was patient experience. Um, this shows about customer experience and, and we kind of wanted to extend that to patient experience. Thinking about CX in the healthcare sector, um, who is the customer? The staff are the customer, the patients are the customer, the government is a customer and uh, the larger community. If the community lose faith in their healthcare system, then, you know, that's a game changer. And that's why healthcare makes or breaks elections and ministers. Mm -hmm. In the holistic view of care, what are some of the things that really stand out in delivering a, a fantastic patient experience? The human element. People expect clinicians to be qualified. So the fact that I have X number of degrees or qualifications or certificates, that's what patients expect of us. That doesn't give exceptional experience. We're expected to be competent. So the human element, the fact that we care, we empathise and we show that compassion will always take an organisation from good to excellent. The community do understand what we do. For 23 years in a row, we have been voted the most trusted and ethical profession. We, at our heart and soul, connect with the community. We love our patients, we love our residents, uh, and we love our clients. And I think that's why it resonates so well. And how do you train for that? There's a part of training for that, but uh, it is the essence from the nursing profession of some of the qualities and attributes of what makes somebody want to be a nurse and what makes somebody a good nurse. So somebody technically proficient won't necessarily get good customer satisfaction ratings in hospitals and healthcare settings. What is a patient looking for in in the healthcare sector? In fact, if you look at patient satisfaction surveys in hospitals, food is one of the areas. If (laughs) if I'm moving aside from nursing, one of the areas that gets either a lot of criticism or will take uh, up into the 95th plus percentile in ratings is the food and the menu and the choices. So from a customer perspective, they're looking at cleanliness, access, time of visiting, uh, food choices, parking. Uh, from from a clinician's perspective or from my perspective, a nurse's perspective running the organisations, we come from a little bit different perspective, which is why we need to make sure we're always uh, patient-centred in our approach. That's that's really fascinating because not, I, I wouldn't have expected any of those things. You know, we did a bunch of research before we had this chat and I was expecting it to be things like a better patient outcome, like a faster recovery or less time in the ward or more nurse contact or more doctor contact or whatever. And those things don't show up they, as much? They matter, but in what is measured in Presgany uh, surveys and surveys around the country and internationally has a broad range. So, as I said before, people don't expect to come into hospital and be marred, injured, have any detrimental outcome to their mortality or morbidity. Uh, where they are expecting an experience of you know, an operation or some sort of procedure, it's the extra things then that make the difference around their experience. There's almost like this conflict of interest from a nurse's perspective where, you know, the patient wants um, better food and parking, but you want a better clinical outcome for them, you know, lower mortality, lower pain, faster recovery. How do you manage those kind of conflicts of objectives? In some areas, they actually correlate to better outcomes. So, nutrition is very important. If people aren't eating, then they're not healing. And so that's very intertwined within the healing perspective. We want people to be nourished and hydrated. Wounds heal faster, people sleep better. So that's a concern if people don't like their food and they don't eat it. 
So a nurse will always look holistically. If somebody's loved one is stressed or can't park or can't get access, it's not helpful or if it's super expensive. And so we don't need a patient worrying about the staff or their loved ones when they need to be cared for in hospital. Uh, There's just some things that wherever you go across all jurisdictions, they always come up. Car parking is one of them. Uh, But really for us, we look at particularly clinical indicator outcomes that we can drive uh, models of care and service delivery to improve patient experience. Is that a fairly recent thing? Like, is it something over the last five, ten years or has that always been the case? I think the surveys are getting better at asking questions and being quantitative and qualitative in their responses and organisations are certainly putting a lot of resource and time into understanding what matters to the customer, to the patient And in fact, this turn of the century, we now use the term patient-centred care or person-centred care or resident-centred care to really make sure that the person is at the centre of the care and what, what matters for them. What matters for one patient will be a little bit different for another, but there are some commonalities that we can work on. And you're right, people do feel, uh, safer and more secure when they see their nursing staff and they, they see carers and clinicians in the environment and that extends across to aged care nothing more than distressing than if somebody can't see a staff member or doesn't have access to them what is the role of a nurse the role of a nurse is ever-changing there's not one day that uh, is the same as the next day and there's not one size fits all so there's core elements and there's underpinning philosophies But a nurse in a remote area in a single post hospital out in the back of central Australia will be different than a nurse in a major metropolitan hospital to then an aged care nurse and a primary and community care nurse. So the skills that are required for a nurse is constantly around assessing, observing, planning care and making sure that we can look at clinical indicators and any sense of deterioration and act on that Uh, as well as then helping people improve to make sure that they heal, recover or have a dignified death. Mm. Is is there kind of like an overarching objective? Like are you trying to um, provide better patient outcomes or are you trying to, I don't know, like what's kind of the philosophy for nursing, I guess, is maybe what I'm trying to get at. If you were looking at a philosophy of nursing, we work in an illness model for the most part, but we're always looking to get people to heal and recover and either move to wellness or to manage chronic disease through rehab and other areas. And there's always the the nurses, particularly in palliative care, that assist people in a very dignified death. Uh, I think it's the World Bank. They came out with the top skills for future jobs and one of them that you know continues to rise up the list is this concept of emotional intelligence and they actually say that the nursing industry won't actually be disrupted by robots and things like that because we want empathy and we want that care factor i'm interested in the role that education plays in you know how, how do you train people to be better at empathy how do you train people uh, to be better at you know care and that that holistic view This is one of the strengths of the nursing profession and those that are attracted to becoming a nurse is that they have a natural instinct for caring and generally have very high levels of emotional intelligence as well as academic intelligence. For areas where it is lacking, uh, there is a lot of investment in developing leadership skills and 
skills of listening, active listening, compassion, mindfulness and other areas to help people understand uh, from the patient's perspective. If somebody goes to a restaurant and they don't like their meal, they, you know, they might tell five or ten people you know, not to go back to their restaurant. If they have a poor health experience, there's a, at least a 5% increase in who they'll tell. And people don't want uh, their loved ones having that same sort of experience. So it's, very, it's even more important in healthcare that we get it right because people are vulnerable and nothing matters more than health. And from a nursing perspective in terms of education, we constantly reinforce the importance of those um, components of emotional intelligence and particularly for our leaders and we put a lot of education into developing um, in our emerging leaders through undergraduate right through to executives and very experienced people keep refreshing their learning. When you talk about the need for greater compassion and emotional intelligence and, you know, you even use the word mindfulness, which I thought was excellent, are there any stories that come to mind that, that sort of highlight this? I could take you into any hospital, any facility, any aged care uh, provider, and we could walk past and witness amazing and significant moments of truth around care delivery. There's magic that just happens every day and in the vulnerability of, of those times, particularly in things that uh, are very personal to people like showering, dressing, changing, you know, there's intimate moments that we don't really want to share with anyone. And when you're unwell, it's usually a nurse that's helping you. So I wanted to ask you about um, expectation in the nursing world and if there's a specific example that you can tell us about a time that you or somebody that you've seen has gone above and beyond to provide a really great patient experience and really warm and fulfilling and a human experience. In uh, my first three months as a graduate nurse, uh, even from my own experience, and I can share many others, but I was working in the drug and alcohol ward. It probably wasn't a ward that I had wanted to go to. Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect, but when I got there, I realised that the patients were just uh, wonderful and really welcomed and embraced the interaction that you would give. But there was one particular uh, gentleman who had liver cirrhosis and was dying and had a particular magazine he loved it that the hospital didn't get and he didn't have any family to come and visit. And uh, I just saw no problem in, I said, well, let me get it for you on my way home. So just track that down, brought it in. But the, something as simple as that, that never is going to be noticed anywhere that nurses do all the time brings so much pleasure to patients because whatever, you know, whatever car, whatever the magazine was, was a specialty area that he couldn't get access to. And sitting in hospital all day is a long 24 hours. And uh, I remember as a very junior nurse, uh, maybe, you know, a few weeks out of university, just seeing what that meant for him and making a commitment to myself that I would always go above and beyond and do the little things and just take that bit of time. Because for us, it's, it's really nothing, but it makes a difference to someone else. Welcome to the Quickfire Round. We like to have a bit of fun. The only rule here is you have a maximum of 10 seconds to answer each question. Your time starts at the end of the first question. So let's go. What is your number one resource for learning amazing things? YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, should say excellent. university books, but it, it is the internet. That's so Love true. It. The large search engine. What's some of the, the best advice you've ever received? Really dare to be different. 
just you, who you are and all the authenticity that that brings to the table. What book or podcast or resource has changed your life? Years and years ago in my early 20s, I read Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Yourself. And the other one that was a a strong influence in my life was Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mike, that's one of your favourites, isn't it? It is. It's up there with um, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Mm. Carnegie's famous book from the 1930s. Still still very relevant today. It's amazing these things are timeless. I am an avid reader, though, and constantly hungry for content. Well, there's a new podcast that you can listen to. (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Get that plug in there. What brand or organisation do you look up to the most? I think Amazon is an organisation to follow. Uh, The big names, obviously, I watch the Apples, the Googles, uh, the LinkedIn to see how they connect people. What job did you learn the most at? For many years working as a clinical nurse in aged care and intensive care has certainly set me up for understanding people, diversity, culture, cultural sensitivity. In essence, everyone may be a consumer of our service, so you do realise that you tap into people from all nations in the work that we do. Hmm. Watch that 10 seconds. I might have to bring the buzzer okay. out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look for the gong. Yeah. Hopefully you can answer this one quickly. What, um, what skill are you terrible at? Housework. and I have no problem with it me too (laughs) I want to ask about the emergency room Um, it's a bit of an enigma for somebody who hasn't worked in healthcare and particularly like how the triage process works can you talk about that a little bit the triage process is five five category areas there's immediate uh, then there'll be somebody needs to see be seen within certain time periods. So it could be 10 minutes, you know, several hours and triage category four and fives are less urgent. And it is uh, unlike a taxi rank system where the first person comes in, gets looked after. There needs to be a little bit of uh, theory around the chaos of order. And so every patient that presents in an emergency department is triaged in a category of one to five seen accordingly in a period of time and treated. And, and that's based on the symptoms that they're presenting. Absolutely. And their, their risk of mortality or, or pain or whatever. So, if you're having a heart attack, obviously, you're, you're straight to... You're category one, yes. <laughs> like you're straight into theatre, right? But, yes. But, but if you've, I don't know, got a paper cut, you're... That's right. You'll be there for 12 hours because all the other people yes. come in before you, right? And even a stabilised fracture. So, you'll see right. the community get very frustrated in the waiting rooms of emergency departments and hospitals all around the country are working very hard to a four-hour rule to move patients through much quicker. But in fact, if you are sitting in the waiting room, there's some blessing in that, that you are not dying or urgently requiring treatment. So... So this is a really interesting customer experience moment from the organisation's perspective. You're trying to triage people who are most at risk. It is actually the best customer experience because you're giving the people who need care the most the quicker service and the people who don't, not the quicker service. However, if you're the one who's waiting, it doesn't feel like that. (laughs) I don't think it would be ever healthy for governments or for society to ever have a a system that's not tiered for emergency departments. So some people will have to wait. What we do to manage customer expectations is improve the communication. Instead of leaving people sitting around for hours not knowing when they're going to be seen, 
the nursing leadership in the emergency departments works very hard to, to let people know there's it's going to take several hours or there's options or they get uh, seen to in some form in the waiting room. That seems to diffuse complaints and manage expectations. Well, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of happy to wait if we know that we're going to right. be waiting, right? Uh, and if, if you see somebody who has an arrow through their head yes, and they come into the emergency room, sure, that beats yeah. my stomach problem or whatever. Yeah, it's the not knowing. <laughs> but, and, and we've got much better in recent years of actually keeping people informed, never breaching confidentiality, but yeah. letting them know the demands on the service. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to touch on the handover process. So, going back to a nurse who's doing an outstanding job, has great emotional intelligence, connection, that patient's feeling wonderful, and then their shift ends and the next nurse comes in. I'd love to hear about how you think about ensuring that consistency and that that handover process. The beauty of the the nursing profession that's unlike any other uh, profession, unlike our, our doctors or allied health uh, counterparts, is that nursing is the profession that provides care all day, every day, everywhere. And so we are able to have consistency in handover. So what you'll see if you're in the hospital is nurses at the end of the rounds handing over so that the patient is included in that and can hear what's being said and where the management of care is discussed and handed over. We also have um, the formal documentation, whether that's electronic or paper of writing notes. The richness is in that verbal handover because what will happen on the next shift is patients want to see the nurse. So for a nurse to sit in the office for an hour or two and go through 30 sets of notes is unrealistic in our time and this is one of the pressures for the nursing profession is that high visibility to so how can we have the information that we need at hand uh, to be able to deliver the care that is required. And let's maybe touch on technology for a second. Um, does tech in the healthcare sector help or hinder patient outcomes and patient question. experiences? <laughs> We've recently published a position statement on nursing informatics and what that means for the nursing profession. Where it can hinder and where there's been complaints from patients is if there's point-of-care systems at the end of the bed and all the attention is on working on the computer and not looking at the patient. As we've matured and as we understand how to use technology, for nursing, the best interaction is to sit with a tablet or technology and engage patient education, information, the ability to communicate with the technology as a tool. It's not the be-all and end-all or the answer because of that human interaction, but certainly the more we use it as a tool rather than entering at the end of the bed, uh, the notes for the day leaves patients feeling that they're valued and Mm. part of the care. But if you're focusing too much on the tech, which, by the way, is actually quite helpful and it's great record-keeping and all that kind of stuff, but if you're just sitting there typing into a computer, you're not looking someone in the eye and talking to them. And so, you know, actually having the tablet and coming around and maybe standing next to the patient rather than opposite them, which is kind of confrontational, yes. is, is helpful, right? Do you train nurses in those kinds of social scenarios? Yeah, very much as the world has moved, we've needed to follow. And if we go back to uh, technology, those point-of-care solutions that cost millions of dollars to put at the end of every bed so that there was radiology and access instead of sitting in the fishbowl concept at the nurse's station to write notes, had the intention of having high visibility and interaction, but because 
nurses and other clinicians were trying to work out how to use new computer systems and software that they weren't familiar with. A lot of attention was at the end of the bed. Mm. And so what we've done very well is been responsive to feedback. There wouldn't have been any nurse or any clinician that woke up with the intention of ignoring the patient. It was trying to work out a new system in the public eye. Now we've moved to tablet forms, engaging patients, because there's nothing more um, demoralising or patronising for a patient to be laying in bed and a bunch of professionals talking about them at the end Mm. of the bed and not to them. And the nurse is absolutely key there to make sure that the patient is engaged and that the team are working with the with the patient as part of the management yeah. care. I like that example you gave earlier on about um, the handover happens with the patient yes. um, as part of the conversation, which is a really nice touch and I hadn't really thought of before. It's so important in terms of quality and safety because if there's any element where there's any level of confusion, let's say you know somebody's on a medication, the patient says, oh, that's not my medication, straight away you can troubleshoot and eliminate any possibility of risk. Mm. We see the nurse interaction, we see the doctor interaction, the beeping machines and people running around, but there's maybe a lot that's happening behind the scenes that we're not aware of um, in terms of either the public or the patient. What are some things that nurses are doing in the background to make great healthcare outcomes that we may not be aware of? Nurses are absolutely key to the delivery of uh, healthcare, and in fact, there is no health system without nurses. There is so much happening to make these large, complex, uh, multi-billion-dollar organisations work efficiently, and the clinical element that the nurses bring to the table is paramount to the successful running of an organisation. If you think of a hotel system, you know, there's sometimes one bed in a ward can have three patients move through it in a day. And so the turnover of a nurse to even understand those patients, discharge them, move them to another area is highly complex and uh, has room forever. There's a whole team of experts that are really um, working together to make sure that that nurse at that point of interaction has everything he or she needs. You mentioned the word informatics. What what, what are informatics? Nursing informatics and clinical informatics is a particular passion of mine. Uh, Just sorry to interrupt. Before you continue though, like can can we kind of just define what it is? Informatics is really around looking at information systems. So it's like the the IT infrastructure, the computers. Well, it's also from a healthcare perspective, what we would see with informatics is all the information that's been collected around patients and how are we using that Mm -hmm. in terms of analysing the data, looking at the clinical analytics. We're filling servers with information, but we're not driving, uh, we're not analysing that in a way that drives care and drives reform. And, and there's an enormous amount of power that comes with that in being able to look at, you know, aggregated data and, and figure out, power. yeah, right. But also maybe present some challenges in terms of security and privacy. Yes. Is this an opportunity or a big risk? A little bit of both. We saw earlier uh, a few months ago where the potential for somebody's Medicare details to be um, mm. Leaked sent uh, concern among the community as it should and we spoke with the governments and we put media releases out about that and then we've been part of working parties to make sure that nurses need to know that their patient information is safe and secure. And the community trusts nurses so we need to be able to be assured when they ask that we can give them that information. 
out of all of our data, like, you know, banking, financial, whatever, I, I feel like healthcare data is the paramount in terms of needing to be secure. Yeah. Do you want someone to know you had chlamydia? I know that's a bit of a, that's our dark humour. Uh, that's one example I can uh, give you. Because, you know, it's not an epidemic, but uh, uh, syphilis is becoming an epidemic. Uh, but... Yeah, that's exactly right. It is personal to us. There's still an element of judgment. Um, what does that mean? Some people are happy to tell everybody their personal stories and, and, you know, it defines them. Other people like it very private. But the amount of information in hospitals and health services, the possibilities of what we can do with that information, how we can drive improvements in quality and safety and care are paramount. And as nurses, we see great opportunity in leading that. Is there a, like an example of how you can use that information for better benefit? Plenty. The first would be even from a logistic side of behind the scenes where directors of nursing, I used to be a director of nursing, uh, where there was paper-based rostering, you could never really tell what your skill mix was and where staff were if, you know, from a safety perspective, disaster management or even, uh, even the skill level in the organisation. Once we now have electronic rostering systems, we understand you don't want a ward staffed with all junior staff um, or having all seniors on it on one particular shift and all juniors Mm. on another. It's not good for governance, for learning and for care delivery. So there's the practical side of what we can do with information systems. Mm. And on the other side, we can understand where, for example, if patients are falling, if organisations annually have a thousand falls, five hundred falls, or three thousand falls, there has that's un, it's unacceptable from a patient experience mm. to fall and potentially have a fracture or a t- skin tear. What can we do, and what strategies can we put in place to prevent falls or to assist somebody to the floor rather than having an injury? And that might mean reallocating staff, getting different kind of beds or equipment, or seeing where the vulnerability is. And we use that that kind of a uh, we use that information and, and do analysis on it to work our models of care and our mm. service delivery for patient safety and improved outcomes. Is there anything else like another kind of example you have where informatics we, and information actually helps create better patient outcomes? Yeah, if you think of uh, the patient buzzer system years ago, you know that was an electronic system that came in. And nurses being very kind and generous said, you know, buzz me if you need me, buzz me if you need me. And what we've done is created a bit of a uh, a monster for ourselves where that everybody just buzzes for the nurse. Now, even though you can have all sorts of staff in a ward or a unit, nurses are the only one that answer buzzes and that's a bit of a bugbear of mine uh, because you don't need a degree to answer the buzzers. So what we now have is that taxi rank system. If you're sitting in the clinical area and somebody buzzes, you don't know what they need. You don't know how urgent it is. And even being able to analyse the amount of buzzers in a particular area in one aged care facility, we had in a month over 100,000 buzzers. Now for a nurse, you cannot think, you cannot sit, you cannot breathe, you don't know what you're going to, you don't know if you need your colleagues who are assisting somebody else. It's again, somebody might just want their glass, a glass of water or a pillow fluffed or something simple that perhaps doesn't require nursing. And so they've been able to introduce, to reduce the buzzer is to introduce something like hourly uh, patient rounding so that people know they'll see a nurse every hour, they can wait, but if it's urgent, they can buzz. Someone almost needs to invent a five-level buzzer um, <laughs> in terms of the level buzzer, of urgency. And, and, um, and number one is I'd like a cup of tea and, you know, number five is like I'm in, you know, critical pain. Oh, from a pedometer perspective, you get up a lot of steps answering those buzzers. <laughs> That's true, very true. 
Kylie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure. Michael, this is the debrief section where we kind of unpack some of the learnings and and reflect on the conversation that we've just had. So, um, what's your first one? What did you take away from the conversation with Kylie? For me, one that really stood out was the way that they manage the handover process, actually. They do that handover in front of the patient um, and they include the patient in that mix. Obviously, including the patient is going to take more time but they're involved, you know, they, they, they feel that sense of care and that handover um, has happened. So, I think for me, like the practical takeaway is, you know, certainly on the business side where we are, there's many cases where sales is handing over something after maybe um, selling something to someone to onboard or support is having to escalate something to someone for more technical expertise. There's many scenarios where we're doing handover and I don't think in the business world we really see that um, handover take place in front of the customer and have them feel included and I think that, that could be you know, something that's really, really interesting and that, that, was, a, that was a very practical um, takeaway that, that uh, stood out for me. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the takeaways that I had um, was actually um, rooted in this discussion about the emergency room triage process Mm. and how, you know, from an operational point of view, the hospital has to give different patients different priority. And as a patient, that's maybe not the best experience because, you know, you come in and you want to be seen. You don't want to be waiting for four, eight hours in an emergency room. It it makes practical sense to do that. However, what uh, Kylie talked about was um, really just upping the communication. And there was this line where she talked about, you know, not breaching confidentiality or anything like that, but just letting people know that... uh, You know, they might be waiting for um, a certain amount of time, you know, maybe four hours or whatever, and setting that expectation. Yeah, giving them clarity where they are in that process. Exactly. Mm. Um, The other one for me uh, that was across the entire conversation, what makes nurses great um, and what will continue to make nursing great is actually having that genuine care factor, um, often described as um, emotional intelligence, so being able to understand what's you know happening on the patient side or on the customer side and then having that really that that really strong care factor um, and that sort of being infused across all processes and all engagements and you know practical example that stood out for me was how they use use technology to enhance that so you know having iPads in front of the patient to you know increase eye contact and things like that rather than you know running away and, and sort of scribbling a bunch of notes and, and then that being a bit of a disconnected thing so I thought I thought that was really um, important around you know having that care factor and that EQ as a foundation and then really layering processes and tools on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. My other one was about big data and uh, and how nursing informatics and data that they're collecting can be used in, in a positive way. You know, we talk a lot about big data in marketing. I don't think a lot of organizations are using it very well. And some re- Kylie had some really great examples, like there was 100,000 presses of the buzzer in a month. <laughs> and like, how do you handle that? Um, right. Particularly when, you know, some of them are a problem that's like a category one, I need help right now. And some are like, hey, I'd like a bit more water. That was the data point and collecting that data is important. But then what do they do about it? So, here's the practical takeaway. They realized that, you know, there was a range of different um, priority levels. And so, they just got the nurses to go around and um, every hour just kind of check up on people. Proactively clean up. Yeah. Exactly. They didn't have to buzz for water. They would just go in and, and you know, they just wait till the next hourly run. And so, that was just like a really nice way of, uh, of doing that. So, in summary, um, our four takeaways were? For me, it was um, really learning around that handover process and including the customer or the patient in the mix. Uh, my one was about how to manage customers in the in the triage process and, and really it's just about upping communication and letting them, you know, setting that expectation for them. 
Yeah. And then the other one for me was really having that foundation of strong um, care factor and emotional intelligence and then building processes and tools on top of that. And finally, big data, how to use it, how to, you know, collect the information, but actually do something with it. And, and that was, you know, to improve the patient's experience by, you know, creating a system and a process to, uh, to stop some of those extra nurse calls. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get in contact, a few of you have sent uh, some feedback and, and uh, some suggestions. So, thank you for doing so. We read every single email. You can email me, adam at wavelength.audio. And you can catch me, Michael, at rateitapp.com. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. See you soon. See ya. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is a co-production of Rate It, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback, and Wavelength, podcasting strategy and execution. This episode was produced by Nick Jones and me, Adam Jaffrey. And it was edited by Josh Armour. Our theme music is by Icolix and Peter Cooley. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It makes a big difference. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Thank you so much for listening. We produce this show every fortnight, so we'll speak to you in two weeks.